Hello, listen, and welcome to Adventist All Radio, the voice of hope. Thank you so much for finding time to join me. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mahangi. Pastor Higondo Ndeke is in standby with the Family Life segment. Today he will talk about communicating love. Brother Steve Rondo will also be joining us during the Bible segment. Today he will talk about stewarding our children's education. Stay tuned for this on some songs which in store for you. Here's a song, He Hideth My Soul by Nathaniel Nyagol. Yeah. 
is a new life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Get ready to listen to Postaki Gunundriga on the Family Life segment. Be blessed. listener, we welcome you to our series on marriage, the abundant life. And I want to remind you of our favorite passage, John 10 verse 10, where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am convinced that this abundant life includes married life as well. Today, I want us to talk about how we communicate love. How do you communicate love to your spouse? Have you ever sat down and listed the many things that you love as well as like about your spouse? Well, it would be a good thing to do. It would be a pretty easy thing to do that just after your wedding, after all. That's probably what led you to marry each other. The many things you loved about him or her. But how about later after the wedding? It can become more difficult sometimes, can't it? However, you might find it to be helpful. One of the saddest things we see in so many marriages is that later, beyond the wedding and honeymoon period, the things you loved or you love about each other become clouded over by everyday distractions of life. These distractions and differences that arise can eventually pull us away from each other and work against our love if we are not careful. And once this starts happening, love is the last thing you find yourself communicating with your spouse. In fact, many married couples eventually treat each other as strangers or even as enemies. We watched a powerful Christian movie called Fireproof, and the premise of the movie is that you don't leave your partner behind, especially in a fire. Now, that can apply to those who are firefighters in the midst of a raging fire, as well as those who are married in the midst of raging trials. When a fire or a time of trial breaks out, sometimes beginning with a slow burn or eventually growing, and the smoke, that is uh, destruction and irritation, starts to cloud you from seeing each other. In the confusion of the situation, you can find yourself going your own separate ways and eventually leaving your partner behind. Dear listener, it takes intentionality to make sure that doesn't happen. We highly recommend you see that movie for different reasons, but especially because of the many principles you can learn about marriage that it brings into open. 
We also recommend the makers of that movie have written is entitled The Love Dare, which is published by B&H Publishing Company, which takes you on a 40-day love dare journey. It's a book that dares you to love your spouse as God shows throughout the Bible. And it can help you to once again communicate love to your marriage partner, as well as help you to put your priorities back into place in your relationship with our God. One of the dares that they pose in the book is that instead of following your heart, you choose to lead it. As they say, the world says to follow your heart, but the Bible says that the heart is more deceitful than all else, Jeremiah 17 verse 9, and it will pursue that which feels right at the moment. A portion of what they write in this book on day 14 says, one of the most important things you should learn on your love dare journey is that you should not just follow your heart. You should lead it. You don't let your feelings and emotions do the driving. You put them in the back seat and tell them where you are going. In your marriage relationship, you won't always feel like loving. It is unrealistic for your heart to constantly thrill at the thought of spending every moment with your spouse. Nobody can maintain a burning desire for togetherness just on feelings alone. But it's also difficult to love someone only out of obligation. A newlywed takes delight in the one they now call their husband or wife. Their love is fresh and young, and the hopes for a romantic future lingers in their hearts. However, there is something just as powerful as that fresh new love. It comes from the decision to delight in your spouse and to love him or her no matter how long you have been married. In other words, love that chooses to love is just as powerful as love that feels like loving. In many ways, is a truer love because it has its eyes wide open. Left to ourselves, we'll lean towards becoming disapproving of one another. She'll get on your nerves, he'll aggravate you. But our days are too short in this life to waste in bickering over petty things. Life is too fleeting for that. Instead, it's time to lead your heart to once again delight in your mate. Enjoy your spouse. Take her hand and seek her companionship. Desire his conversation. Remember why you fell in love with her personality. Accept this person, quirks and all, and welcome him or her back into your heart again. Again, choose what you treasure. Enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life, says the wise man in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 9. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That is recorded in Ephesians 5 verse 1 to 2. Ask the Lord to show you how to communicate love to your spouse with and without words. Consider these acts of love as care packages for the heart. We have to admit it is sometimes very difficult to know how to love in the way they want and need it. Dr. Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, has revolutionized the approach of expressing love for those who have read it. The thesis of the book is that each of us expresses and receives love differently according to our language of love. The challenge, therefore, is to find the language that communicates love best to your spouse and communicate it in the language that your spouse can relate to. Dr. Chapman's five languages of love include... 
expressing love verbally, spending quality time with your spouse, giving meaningful gifts to your loved ones which pass the message that the spouse is special through meaningful touching and through heartfelt service to the loved one. The language of love of your spouse may not be important to you, but out of your love for the spouse and your desire to share the love the Lord has showered upon you, just do that. That's part of what being marriage partners is all about. What about your spouse? What can you do that will communicate love to him or her? If you are stuck for ideas, look into the Romantic Ideas section of the Marriage Missions website. For Hansbuds, Steve and Cindy have posted 100 ways to show love to your wife, Howie. And for wives, they have also posted 100 ways to show love to your husband, his way. They should give you many good ideas to help those of you who are romantically challenged. Plus, they have many other articles and website links for additional ideas on love. We pray that this will help you show and communicate love to your spouse. Dear listener, life is short. Ensure you enjoy an abundant marriage with the wife of your youth. Tune to Adventist All Radio, the voice of hope. This is your presenter, Samuel Mangi. A producer would love to have your thoughts about this program. Please send them to the producer, Adventist All Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is Nairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us now listen to Nathaniel Nyagol with the song, Does Jesus Care? Deep night shuts 
so much Nathaniel Nagol for such a powerful item. It is another opportunity to get some spiritual nourishment from Brother Steve Rundu. Welcome brother. Stewarding our children's education. Our key text today comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 6 to 9. And I read, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God speaks to us. And he tells us to impress God's words on our children. That verse tells us to talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Evangelical leader Charles Colson addresses the duty of Christian parents to steward their children's education. While he discusses the Christian day school options and mentions homeschooling, his overriding concern is the responsibility of Christian parents to ground their sons and daughters in the faith. No matter what formal education option parents select, both the home and the church will play vital and even primary roles in this endeavor. The following quotes accepted from his discussion are based on the premise that our lives are guided by revealed truths 
that are much greater than anything we will possibly conceive on our own. What are those truths? First, children are not merely biological organisms adapting to the environment. They are created in the image of God and bear all the dignity of beings capable of recognizing truth, goodness and beauty. The goal of education should be able to free children, to feed children's souls through a directive presentation of these objective ideals. But that's only part of the story. You must also take into account children's capacity for selfishness and willfulness. Moral education should likewise be directive, teaching the biblical virtues and enforcing them with consistent classroom discipline. Finally, education is one of the ways we seek to reverse the effects of the fall and restore humanity to its original dignity and purpose. The goal of learning, wrote the great Christian poet John Milton, is to repair the rings of our first parents. Now the scripture constantly enjoins Christians to teach their children and to pass of the great truths of the faith from generation to another generation. So it's not surprising that Christians have historically accorded great importance to education, founding schools and teaching literacy wherever they went around the globe. Christian education is not simply a matter of starting class with Bible reading and prayer, then teaching subjects out of secular textbooks. It consists of teaching everything within the framework of an integrated biblical worldview. It means teaching students to relate every academic discipline to God's truth and his self-revelation in scripture while detecting and critiquing non-biblical worldview assumptions. Speaking of Christian education in the context of church rather than school, evangelical theologian R. Scott Rodin comments that Christian education from the earliest days with our youngest children up through the rigors of semi seminary training must recapture the paradigm of the steward. I call upon you, my listener, to think about these following things. Think through your own views of the purpose of education. How do they relate to Carlson's lists? How should formal education incorporate Colson's truths? And what is parents' responsibility in education? As you think about those things, there are these things that I always tell people to act on. And today I'm going to call upon you to act on the following. How can you affect the life of a child today? Could you make it a priority to read a Bible story to your children each night before bed? Or could you teach a Sabbath school class at your church? Could you mentor an at-risk youth? Developing Christian minds and instilling Christian virtues in a critical stewardship responsibility of every Christian in educating children for eternity. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank you for the gift that you've given us even through the blessing of children. Lord, we thank you for the knowledge that you've given us in your word. And we thank you for you have given us the ability to do the same to our children. Lord, we ask you to give us wisdom and understanding so that we can be a role model to our children. We can teach them through stories, through biblical uh, principles and through our lives generally so that they can grow up knowing that the best education is the education of your word. Father, bless our Christian institutions so that our children as they go to study there, they can be able to learn much more of the heavenly view of the world things. Father, I pray all this trusting and believing in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
that brings us to the end of our program for today. I hope that you've been blessed. We'd like to have your views, comments, or questions about this program. Send them to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is at ek.org. Join me next time, same place, same time. But until then, may our good Lord keep you safe. I've been your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Savior is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, that shadows are dry, dusty Shadows are dry, dusty land. He 
Yeah. 